This is Dr. Amani Wazwaz. This is Omar Fendim, and you're listening to MVCCPOP. Voices from the Dead. Today we have Dr. Amani Wuzwuz, the Professor of Communication and Literature at Moraine Valley Community College. She is also Speech and Foreign Language Coordinator at MVCC. She has been at Moraine since 2005 and has been nominated for Professor of the Year on four occasions. Prior to her time at Moraine, Amani was Adult Educator of the Year at Daly College of Chicago. Professor Wuzwuz received her PhD from Loyola University of Chicago and her Master's in English from St. Xavier of Chicago. Amani completed her undergraduate studies at the University of Illinois Chicago in Biological Sciences. Amani Wuzwuz's service at Moraine includes time on the Black History Month Committee, Honor Advisory Committee, the Faculty Development Committee as a faculty member, the Multi-Ethnic Day Committee, the Arab Heritage Month Committee, and early in her Moraine career, she volunteered at MVCC's Writing Center. The esteemed professor is a frequent workshop presenter on campus sharing on topics such as creative writing, black excellence in literature, global culture, world history. And not only is Dr. Wuzz was a campus treasure based on her kindness, compassion, creativity, and extraordinary level of cultural consciousness, she is also known by an alter ego, at least one that I created for her. Dr. Mani Wazwaz is also known in my world as the notorious W-A-Z, and we'll get into that based on her rap career. Mani Wazwaz, welcome to MVCC POV Voices from the Valley. Welcome, Anthony. Welcome, Jehan. I love being here with you this morning. Ah, appreciate it. So uh, when we were doing a little bit of warm-up, you were telling us about your, your background. I asked you where you were a Chicagoan, and you, yes. gave me, you know, gave me a little bit of your background. Could you share? Yes, yes. Uh, Anthony and Jehan, uh, I was uh, born in Jerusalem, and I was raised there, which means that I grew up uh, having... Um, known the language. I learned the language at a very young age. I learned the culture. I learned the music. And then my family and I came here to America. And then we came here, stayed, moved back, came here, stayed and moved back. We lived on the north side of Chicago for several years. So I grew up there in elementary school. Then we lived in uh, the suburb of River Grove. We went back uh, to the Middle East and then we came back. We came back, and we've been living in Oaklawn ever since. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about your parents. Okay. Uh, my uh, father is a mathematician. He's a mathematics professor. He is the walking embodiment of math because he thinks math, he dreams math, and he is an incredibly kind-hearted person. And so is my mother. My mother also uh, was a teacher for some time, and she taught illiterate students. So I come from a family of educators, and my mom makes incredible Arabic dishes, and she is also uh, she is an open-hearted person and a great listener. Fantastic. So you mentioned that you picked up the language at an early age. Do you still speak fluent Arabic? 
I still speak it. Uh, I speak it fluently. Maybe not as much as I want to, but I try my absolute best. Like one time I was having a conversation with my aunt in Jerusalem, and I was extremely happy that I was able to express myself without stopping to pause and think and wonder. But there are other times when I'm having a conversation with somebody in Arabic, and I am rather disappointed in myself that I have to stop and try to see what is that word that I'm looking for. So mostly yes, but sometimes there's that word that I'm trying to find. Well, I think most of us who are English speakers are in that position, yeah. noticing our ums and uhs yes. and what's that word I'm looking for. So yeah, I get yes. that. Um, so you have an interesting combination of degrees. So yes. you have two graduate degrees in English. Yes. And then I uh, think what your dad had in the biological sciences yes. as an undergraduate. That's yes. an interesting combination. It is an interesting combination. I, I want to tell you, um, when I was a little girl near, living in the north side of Chicago, I absolutely was a science person. I loved science. I was a fourth grader who collected rocks, and I loved to observe nature tremendously. And then uh, there was a while when, in high school, um, I wanted to help people tremendously. So I switched a little bit, and instead of wanting to be a scientist, I wanted to be a psychologist so that I could help people. And I felt that psychology really helps people, really helps people to understand the soul and the sufferings of human beings. And I had this reputation in my high school that uh, people could come to me and share with me their problems. And I was honored to help people. Well, as time went by and um, graduate, I mean, junior and senior year rolled around, I started to fall in love with literature a whole lot more because I felt that literature gave you a sense of human suffering tremendously. Literature was very honest. Literature never gave you the answers. It had questions and it had scenarios and it had you questioning things. Well, lo and behold, I was still in my country and unfortunately, uh, trouble happened during that time in the Middle East and universities were closed down. And in the two years that I was, I and a lot of uh, college and university students were forced to stay at home, my thinking changed. I wanted something a bit more secure. So I went back to biology because in my mind, I thought biology was clear and straightforward. And let me tell you, Anthony and Jehan, I loved the years that I spent at UIC. I loved every moment I was in class learning plant biology, animal biology, cell, particularly evolution and genetics. Loved it to the core of my being. Once I felt somewhat safe, I could go back and venture back out into the unknown world of literature. And I went back and got my master's and my doctorate in the murky world of literature, which never promises to have any answers. And that's where I've been ever since then. Extraordinary. Let me do a bit of housekeeping. Let me also introduce uh, one of my colleagues in the library who is on the diversity committee as well as part of the podcast uh, working group. Uh, Han Chapel works in the technical services department, and often she does a lot of the hard work behind the scenes in the podcast and 
So I tied her to a chair and asked her to be on the <laughs> oh mic today. Gosh. And <laughs> so welcome. Hi, Hello, John. Hi, happy to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so um, in as anybody who's going to do an interview, getting a little bit of background, people raved about not only your knowledge, but the thing that they seem to want to talk about uh, a lot in you is your kindness and compassion and authenticity with your students. And um, so give us what is your impression of, of your or either your approach or that comment? Okay. Anthony Jehan, I strongly feel you can have a person, a student, who is smiling from ear to ear and is hiding so much pain and suffering. So I assume when I walk into the class and I'm in the classroom or I'm walking down the hallway that everybody is carrying their own struggles and their own burdens. I put that in front of my eyes every day that I wake up in the morning, that everybody is carrying a lot of pain. Some show it, some are masters at hiding it. I assume that, and so I try, I try my best to be as respectful as I can possibly be. I try my best to listen to what they have to tell me and not to what I think they're about to tell me. So I try to be there with them in the moment. I am beyond honored, beyond privileged to be here at Moraine, beyond privileged that they signed up for my courses. So the least that I can do is return their kindness and their trust with the best that I can do. Fantastic. So you've been here, what, 12, 13 years? I have completed 13 lucky years at Moraine Valley. Wow. And um, I remember you mentioning to me either in writing or in a conversation that you've noticed lately how you've evolved since you you've come to Moraine. I have. I I am a, a quite a different person and I I mean in certain ways it feels like 5 minutes ago I came to Moraine Valley, but in other ways like I have been looking at a resume of mine that I last updated 6 years ago. And I haven't updated because I love this place so much. But then when I go back and I look, what have I done these last six years? I'm like, oh boy, the opportunities that Moraine has given me has been absolutely extraordinary. Like, for example, Moraine has given me the opportunity to be part of the Building Bridges and Mosaics program. This has been going on for the last two to three years. This has been like something very phenomenal. I have become an online professor. This is something that I never dreamt of becoming. So it's given me these different avenues. I also feel that in, in certain ways that I have become calmer. And that's, that's also a good thing as well, too. Fantastic. So you mentioned some of the, the programs uh, that you've participated in. And a lot of the ways you've participated in has both been as like an instructor, writer, performer. And you bring in, at least from what I can, what I've observed, both science and culture, they kind of interweave. Uh, so talk about a little bit of the things that you have. You actually, I, I call you a playwright. You've written these small uh, vignettes, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, you're right, a Anthony. When um, uh, Tommy Hensel, the uh, theater director, the pro. Uh, the program director at the Fine and Performing Arts was proposing to write a grant for the Doris Duke Building Bridges Foundation. 
He uh, invited me and several other colleagues to present our own um, proposals and approaches to um, building bridges between the Moraine Valley community, the South Side suburban community, and the Muslim community. My proposal drew from my science background, and why? Because I felt in writing these grants, people focus on the arts, which is a beautiful thing. People focus on literature. I'm all for it. People focus on music and performances. These are beautiful ways. When you look at Muslim artists and musicians, and uh, you basically are able to show people their culture through their arts and their dances. But what I felt was usually biology and chemistry and physics and mathematics these are the abandoned children of cultures. But in all reality, these are cultures of and within themselves. Unlike my young teenage and early 20-year-old self, biology does not have all the answers, and, and neither does chemistry. And I felt when I wrote the grant that I am going to pull from what Muslim cultures contributed to biological sciences, chemistry, mathematics, and I centered my project around the House of Wisdom. The House of Wisdom was a learning academy, and it was heavily funded by the variety of Muslim kings or caliphs. They paid beautiful money to scholars who would come in and, and, and translate works from Greek and Persian and Indian cultures. And these scholars would take what was translated, and they would add on to it. So I took that vision, and thankfully, uh, our proposal was approved. I am now chairing the House of uh, Wisdom branch of it, and what I do is I try to let people see, to try to build bridges through Muslim sciences and the regular community. So what I have done uh, this past year is, uh, past... Um, years actually, I've researched the life of Al-Jahid, who was, um, who lived in what is now Iraq, and he was a phenomenal scientist. He observed the natural world around him. He came up with evolutionary theories, and I felt, Anthony and Jihan, that the way to reach out to my audiences was not to give a lecture on him but to write a play, and to write a play where there are two characters. One is a student, and the student is very troubled because he sees the violence of the natural world all around him. He sees the strong eating the weak, and he cannot understand, from a Muslim point of view, how can a merciful God create a world where the strong eats the weak? And he converses at length with, with his teacher, the biologist, Al-Jahid, who is the main character of this play. And Al-Jahid tries to convince him everything has a place in the design that God made. God has created the world with a perfect design. Nothing is out of place. This is the main theme. 
I tried to bring that out in my play. It was a short play. It took a long time to write. But I tried to bring it out, and I tried to show that Al-Jahid already had a lot of different early evolutionary ideas in that play. That was one way that I tried to reach my audiences. And I hope I, hope I can um, perform in this play once again. I hope to write more plays as time goes on. And you've, uh, to follow up on that a bit, you've redesigned some of your course content over the years to uh, to incorporate some themes within the school. Like we have a uh, one book, one college program, and you um, redesign, you're redesigning one of your courses around this upcoming one, the one around Miss yes. Marvel. Yes. And uh, you also redesigned one of your courses to include uh, more African-American literature and inside of one where it wasn't necessarily tradition to you spread that. So you bring a lot of diversity and culture uh, and share it on campus. Yes. Okay, so what I've done with in non-Western literature was, because of my involvement with the Building Bridges Mosaics Committee, I searched and searched and I found what I felt to be a really neat novel. This novel is about one of the very first explorers that was forced to come into what was so-called to be the New World, and he was Esteban. Esteban was a black man. He was Arab. He was Muslim. The Moroccan writer Leila Lalami, when she was searching history, she was looking at these Spaniard accounts, and she was fascinated. She was like, four people survived from this first expedition to the so-called New World. And the only thing they mentioned about Esteban was he was the black, the Arab, the Muslim. And she's like, that is the only thing they mentioned about him. So she's like, so these were three markers of marginalization, enough to make somebody's voice dismissed and blunted. And as a creative fiction writer, she's like, no, I'm going to research this history at depth. I am going to look at the Spanish accounts. I'm going to look at also Muslim writers during that time. And I am going to creatively invent a heart and soul for Esteban so that he can speak in my novel. And so I taught this. I taught this book. This book's called Amour's Account. And for three and a half weeks, my students discussed it. And I'm happy to say that, I'm very happy to say it was a very lively and a very engaged discussion and it brought a blend of muslim arabic african north african cultures together now with uh, our li librarian troy swanson and tommy hensel both picking uh, the new graphic novel i felt why not now miss marvel uh, yes okay yeah. uh, now why not let me bring that into non-western literature i absolutely love it because you have Muslim, woman, superhero, all of these variety of traits are interconnected. There is a beautiful interse intersection going on here. In spring 2018, I had Esteban, black, 
Muslim, Arab, hero as well too. All of these diverse intersections came together and the author gave him voice, a human voice, so we can understand his heart and his soul. Now for the fall, my students are going to look at female, Muslim, hero, and I'm going to try my best to get them as involved as possible with what's going on in the library. So it's going to be a very fun and interesting semester as well, too. Great. So you, that's wonderful on the teaching end, but you also uh, contribute on the administrative end of the grant, serving on the uh, oversight committee as well as a, a subcommittee, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, I serve on the House of Wisdom Committee, and I plan activities, and I plan these different projects. And what I also do is I support what else is going on. So, for example, when Tommy Hensel brings different artists, I support their performances. And they also do classroom visits, like this semester, the amazing husband and wife team, uh, Asia and Samir visited my African-American literature class and they blew the minds of my students. My students absolutely loved them. And they spoke and they spoke tremendously. This episode of MVCC POV was produced and edited by AWD PhD with music by Lakey Inspired. Thanks to the MVCC Library for supporting the podcast. This has been MVCC POV, Voices from the Valley.